Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Please be seated because we got some splaining to do. Try this one more time. Today, we have the restless rabble, overstressed leaders, and whiny followers who seem to believe God's spirit is limited to one way of doing things. There's the saying that goes, beware of people who don't clap when you win. We have a lot of that going on in our passages. For several Sundays now, the disciples have not been portrayed as the brightest bulbs on the tree, nor as the noble leaders they will later become. Last week, they were arguing over who was going to be first, and now of all the moments that they could have chosen to imitate from the life of, jo of Joshua, that great Hebrew hero, they've selected one in which Joshua was not at his finest either. Both Joshua of the Old Testament and John of the New are trying to hinder others who are not part of their group from using their gifts. Folks who, by the way, were exceeding, they were succeeding at what they were doing while using their gifts. In the Numbers passage, the people are complaining about the desert provisions, and it's too much for Moses to handle, so they call in the elders to help. Except that two of them don't do it right. They stay behind the camp where the Spirit of God is resting on them just fine. Our hero, Joshua, tells Moses to stop Eldad and Medad from prophesying in the camp. They're not where they're supposed to be. They are, they are not with us. They're not doing it our way. In the New Testament, Jesus' followers, with their selective memories, have heard Jesus predict his death and resurrection three times now. But instead of reimagining what future ministry looks like without the bodily presence of Jesus, they're grappling with fantasies of status and thereby upset that someone else is succeeding at what they were unable to accomplish. When Jesus' disciples imitate Joshua, the irony is that the disciples had been unable to cast out a demon earlier in their journey. And now they're trying to prevent someone else who actually can cast them out. And their explanation for trying to stop them is because he's not following us. Following us? Oops, wrong pronoun. Perhaps a Freudian slip. They aren't following us or our way which, by the way, their way hadn't been working for them. So here we are given two examples of two regular men, Joshua and John, who didn't always get it right. 
in a way that's encouraging because both Joshua and John turn out to be exceptional leaders that we still read about and learn from today. Jesus, like Moses, directs their intention past petty turf wars to work that's to be done and encourages them to act within a spirit of cooperation with others who do things differently. Jesus reminds the disciples that anyone not against them at this point of the journey can't be all bad. The truth is, we spend a lot of time worrying about what others are doing. I can certainly get on my high horse at times and think I've got all the answers to the world's problems. I've shared a few of them here. But Jesus takes us all beyond that and fortunately gives us other opportunities to get it right as happens for both Moses, and, I mean for Joshua and for John. And I wonder what would happen if we could allow one another to grow up and see failure as the acronym of first attempt at learning. In learning, excuse me, first attempt in learning, almost misspell fail. In our community, we have a drug and gang issue. Women being trafficked right under our noses and different organizations, including the church at times, disagree about how to best rehabilitate these folks, or at least get them off the streets. And it's tempting to judge them or to make sure that they're clean up before we encounter them. And while, yes, we do want a better life for folks who are stuck in this type of lifestyle, but if they were to walk into this chapel, strung out, not dressed appropriately, we may be tempted to call the police rather than to offer them a meal or provide them with shelter. I'm very proud of St. James and how we support a safe place, which is a woman's shelter for trafficked women. A safe place offers women a place to take a shower, wash their clothes, have a meal, even take a nap if they're on drugs or not ready I have no desire to change yet. Some have said they shouldn't be allowed in until they're clean, which they do require before entering the full program. They have to go through a detox for the safety of all if they have addictions. But they let the women come in off the street just as they are, strung out, dirty, providing a safe place for them, even if just for a few hours. The philosophy is that if some will discover this truly is a safe place and take the plunge to trust, to walk out of that lifestyle and into a program that leads them to wholeness. Jesus says, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink will not lose the reward. Unfortunately, this is not all Jesus said. 
In the next line, he shocks us with language of hell and cutting off limbs for any who cause another to stumble. The community remind, members are reminded of their responsibility to avoid practices that might harm others. And this will be different for each of us. Jesus, just as last week, he uses children to demonstrate. And that idea of placing stumbling blocks in front of children is what brings Jesus to make such strong statements. And while it makes sense that Jesus would want to protect children from stumbling, keep in mind these words were directed at so-called insiders. Too often, we try to assume such horrific comments are meant for those who aren't part of our group, or perhaps they only apply to folks who are strung out and dirty. This was directed at disciples. It's directed at us. Jesus seems to suggest there is a wholeness that looks different from what we think. Of course, it's not the actual hand, foot, or eye that causes stumbling. It's what we do with what we have that matters. A stumbling block can be anything that prevents one from following Jesus or from drawing close to Jesus or from being part of a community of followers. Jesus says, wake up, take notice, this is serious. Jesus does not deny that there are people who are against us. We have adversaries that we have a right to resist. As usual, though, Jesus looks, calls us to look in that mirror first, calls us to that deep discernment about our expectations of others as well as the tendencies within ourselves. So we have a choice. Will we? Be folks who grumble when others don't follow us or do things exactly the same? Or will we support others while listening to God for ways to better respond and help them? Is there something that we need to let go of before we cut off others from our community? There will always be folks that are stuck in their so-called right way. But hopefully, we will be people who listen to Jesus when he says to be at peace with one another. Cheer another on when they do things differently, when they win. And be people full of that joy, that gratitude, that generosity, everything we're talking about in our moving forward together. While others, so others will be naturally just drawn to this place. There is enough of God's spirit to go around.